Today's sermon text is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It can be found in the Bible in the rack in front of you on page 979. Hear the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Would you pray with me? Lord, we rejoice that your word firmly stands and shall endure from age to age. And so today, as we look at it again, would you hold Christ high in our sight? Would you help us to see your wisdom in your scriptures? And we pray now that the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The days may seem long, but the years will feel short. That was some of the first advice I got as a, as a new dad. Something that a friend of mine told me when I was coming home with Rose from the hospital. And I imagine that that's not something just parents feel, that everyone in the room can feel this. Uh, Luke, this week, went to basketball camp, and he, I was driving him there one day, and with all earnestness in the back seat, he just said, Dad, why, why do weeks feel like they're so long? So maybe you've had one of those days or weeks yourself. Moms, maybe maybe you finish, or dads, if you're home, you, you finish kind of the planned activities for the day. You think this is... This is what we're going to do. I've got it planned out. And you run through all of those things and you think it's probably close to dinner time and you look down at your watch and are confronted with the reality that it is 10 o'clock in the morning and you're not quite sure what the rest of the day looks like now. Or on the, on the other side, maybe you, uh, you say, I, I see those short days, but my phone or my, my Facebook or whatever constantly reminds me of how quickly the years go by. Even this morning, I was looking and got a, a notification. Here's a picture from 2019, and it's us with a, a baby, uh, Ruth, in our arms. I'm like, that, that was not, that felt like two days ago, not, not several years ago. The, the thing that has brought this home for me more than anything is parenting. It's the thing that has reminded me that the days may be long at times and the years are short. There may be days that feel like they're never end, and those, some of those days are really good days, and you're glad that the Lord seems to make the sun stand still and you have more time. And there are some days when you think, I gotta run out the clock, and I gotta get to the end of this one. And in those days, I need the Lord's help, I need God's help to not grow weary in doing good. And then there are the years that just fly by, and the twinkling of an eye, and I need, I need today God's help to remember to make the best use of the time that He's given. 
Well, this morning, uh, as we had last week, we're, we have again kind of a passage that is hyper-focused on specific relationships that God has ordered and given to humanity, to his people. And we're going to look at the relationship between children and parents, if you hadn't gathered that from the passage and the prayers and all things that we've done together this morning. And remember, just kind of set this back in the context. In Ephesians 1 through 3, we've looked at the glories of the gospel, of our identity in Christ, of being bought by him. And then this turn in Ephesians 4 goes to how now, as God's people, do we live that out? And then specifically, we looked several weeks ago back at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, kind of that short passage there. God wants us, as his people, to know how to live and make the best use of the time. How to live with God's spirit, walking in wisdom, filled with his spirit. And last week we said, what, what does it look like to walk with wisdom as spirit-filled husbands and wives? This, this week, Paul kind of turns to another relationship for those who are parents and children. So how do we walk faithfully as parents and children? And I've been praying this week that God would give us his grace to walk faithfully in these callings that he's given us. Now, the the passage that you heard read, I think if you just kind of wanted to go and divide this up, you could probably do that pretty simply. It divides pretty easily into two sections. So God's wisdom to children for a couple verses and then God's wisdom to fathers and mothers. And I recognize that in this church or almost any church that you'd go preach at, that not everyone will fit neatly kind of into these categories that we're talking about. And even beyond that, I I recognize that for some of you here, thinking about fathers and children, about mothers and and parenting, can even be painful. Uh, I know that some of you, well, let me rephrase, all of you are children, right? You got here because you have a mother and a father. But I know that for some of you that may be painful to think about because your mother and father who you love are no longer here. Uh, for others in the room, for friends of yours, perhaps you can think of this is God's wisdom to parents. And maybe you want so desperately to be a parent. And God has not given that to you. And if that's, if that's you, if you hear this and you hear pain, just I want to, first off, from the very beginning, say that one of the gifts of God's people, one of the gifts of being part of a church, of having brothers and sisters in Christ is that we are here to bear burdens with and for one another. So if that's you, don't keep that in the dark. Come talk to somebody. We, we want to help you and to care for you if you feel pain in this text. But even beyond that, if you hear this, and a lot of this is going to be addressed to children and to fathers and mothers, if you think, well, that, that means like I get just a little extra nap time during the sermon, let me just encourage you. You can, as you're listening to the sermon Maybe be thinking, you know, I've got people in this church, children in this church, who I am praying for. How how can this text shape your prayers? Uh, for those of you who who may be a little bit older, those of us with kids in the home in our house, we you you did it. A lot of you did it faithfully. We want to come to you and say, "How'd you do it? Here's my situation. Can you help?" And you don't have to just give like your life experience. That can be really helpful. I hope that this text actually equips you with God's word so that when I come to you and say, can you help me as a dad? You can say, I can pray for you and let me remind you what God's word says here. So even if these, if you feel like you're not squarely in the aim of the application of this text, I hope you hear it 
you take it in, and that you're ready to give it out to those of us who come to you in the days and weeks and years to come. But I want to begin, let's look at this text. We're going to begin with God's wisdom for children in verses 1 through 3. Adults, I will be talking to you at some point and have specific application for you, but these verses are specifically aimed at kids. And primarily, these are looking at kids who are like a lot of you who are in here. Kids who are living at home, who are under the authority of your mom and your dad. So think in our context, you're thinking like all the way from preschool up to high school or even into college in some cases. So kids, kids in the church, in this room right now, God's word, like every bit of God's word is for you. All of it. Every sermon that we give, it's for you too. We want you to hear it to read it at your home, to benefit from it, to grow in it. But this text is especially aimed right at you. And I think that's important, kids, because I want you to know that God cares about you. And he wants you to know him and to know how to relate to him and to your parents. So have you ever been, uh, and adults, maybe you remember this, you've gone to a theme park and there's like, you have an older brother maybe, who just kind of, or somebody like Wheeler who's really tall and just walks through all of the lines and they can go ride whatever they want to. And you come up to a ride and it says, you must be this tall to enter and you can't go. Or you hear mom and dad talking and they say, you say, hey, what is it that you're, you're talking about? And they say, that's something we'll talk about when you're older. I know kids, that can feel frustrating. But one of the things we, we see in the Bible, one of the things I want you to know about this text and about the Bible is that there's no age requirement. There's no, you have to be this tall to read the Bible. You have to be 12 to read and actually understand this. You have to be 18 to be a Christian and it matter. So every kid in here, if you're in high school, if you're in preschool, this is for you in many ways. Jesus wants you to love and trust and know and obey him. And here, God has some specific commands on what it looks like to obey the Lord. So let me read this again. Uh, if you got a note sheet on your way in, kids, there is like a... I printed it out at the top so you can see it. You can try to circle some words if you don't understand what they are. I want you, as we're reading this, to look for the two commands in this text. Okay, so there are two commands here that I want you to find. So as I read along, you can try to find those and circle those in the text, Okay. Ephesians, or if you don't have the notes, you can just open a Bible. Uh, you can maybe circle your own Bible, or if it's one of our Bibles, I guess you can circle that too. It will just look a little weird, but that's fine. Okay, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so what are the two commandments given here? Raise, oh, Carolina, you, you want to give, give us the first one. Obey your parents. Great. Okay, so you can write the word obey on your notes there. That first command is obey. What about the second one? David, what's the second command there? Honor your mother and father. Great. You can write that on that second line. Okay, so obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Okay, let's, let's talk about those. Obey your parents and the Lord. That's, that's not all that difficult to understand, right, kids? I'm sure you've been told, or parents, you have said, you need to obey mom and obey dad. There's kind of, at least there's one component I do want to talk about. One is that to obey, one of the first, like the first thing in obeying 
is listening. Listening is so important for all obedience. It's really hard, kids, to obey your parents if you don't know what they're saying, if you're not listening to them. And this is important because, kids, you may think, like, when I get out of the house, I don't have to listen to anyone. That's not true. All of life is filled with listening. You're going to be listening to your teachers at school. You're going to be listening to teachers in college. You're going to be listening to a boss tell you what to do. More importantly than than all of that listening is the listening that God calls all of his people to do when he speaks to us through his word and by his spirit. So even when you're home and you're listening and trying to obey your parents, God is setting down a foundation that you would listen to him. Okay, so we, we listen. And then when we hear, we see what our parents call us to, we do what they ask. Okay, that's pretty simple. Obedience, listening to and obeying, doing what your parents ask. Now, what about honor? That may be a word that you don't use quite as much, but uh, here's a definition. This is from Webster's Student Dictionary, so aimed kind of at elementary kids. To honor means to, uh, to treat with respect. Okay, so we obey our parents and we treat our parents with respect. So let's say that you, uh, you love playing outside. You love soccer or something like that, and you're outside playing soccer. And if, if, if that's not you, you're inside doing an art project at the kitchen table. And your mom and dad say, hey, kids, it's time to, time to clean up, time to come inside, get ready for dinner. Now, obedience would look like doing that, it would stop and go inside. But you can, you could do that, like clean up, and you could do that by compl- while you're complaining about what your mom and dad are telling you to do and how much you don't want to do it and how unfair it is that you have to stop doing that art project right now that you're in the middle of. So it, that's obeying, but is that honoring your father and mother? No. No, you're, that may be doing what they ask, but it's not treating them with respect. It's like a, a little boy who's sent into timeout and who sits down but says across the room, I'm, I'm sitting here, but in my heart I'm standing and playing over there. Right? That's obedience, but it's not honoring. So God tells us to obey our parents, but also to honor and to respect them. So kids, it matters. It matters that you obey, so you should want to do what they ask. But even your attitude, the way you respect them, it matters how you obey your parents. Now, and teenagers, teenagers, even adults in here, honoring your father and mother is something that you actually do not even when they're around. Like, you can honor them with them not being right there. So especially, like, I, I think of, of me in uh, teen years. I know some of you are kind of in that age or, or right there, go, about to be teenagers. Like, I, one way that you can honor your parents is actually speaking well of them when they're not even around. Maybe it's popular to say, like, how terrible parents are. You can stand out as a Christian if you say, actually, my parents love the Lord and they love me and I'm trying to do what's right. That's a way to honor your parents when you're not around. And we do that as adults as well. And then adults, listen, listen back in. Uh, obeying, sorry, honoring your father and mother really has no upper age limit. Okay, there, there's no restriction on that. So this, this uh, obeying thing, that you have an obligation. Like if you're in living with your parents, you're, you're meant to obey them. If you're, if you are under their authority. But at some point you, you're not under that. And if, if, uh, if Rose is told, I need you to come to dinner at 6 o'clock, she should obey. If my dad calls me and says, I need you here at 6 o'clock for dinner, 
I want to honor him, but I don't have to do that. I have a wife and kids. I have other things that I have to do. But adults know that honoring is something that we do all of our lives. And so all of us, kids and adults alike, how we talk about and how we talk to our parents, it matters. Even when we think they're difficult. Even when we think we don't want to deal with that. We don't graduate high school or college and then you get like a license that you can treat your parents however you want to. And even thinking through honoring your parents. Uh, adults, I know that for many of you in this room, it's there was a time when you were thinking, how do I obey? How do I do what they ask? And for a lot of you here, you're moving into the season of how do I care for aging parents? How do I honor my parents, not when I'm close to a child, but when they're closer to leaving this world? And I want to just encourage you. I know that those are difficult places. I want to encourage you that some of the ways we do that is you just observe the people in our church who have done that so very faithfully. Uh, There are people in our church, for some, that faithful care of mother and father has looked like giving up your bedroom and moving upstairs so that your mother can move into your house with you for a couple of years. There are others where the needs may be greater, but... But it's looked like regularly visiting your father in the nursing home to let him know that he's loved and cared for. I really, there's not a one size fit all to what it looks like to honor your parents. I tell you to just seek wisdom, seek God's wisdom, live this out, find others who are walking through that. But the command to honor our parents is an enduring one, an ageless one. Okay, so those are the two commands. Kids, obey your parents in the Lord and honor your father and your mother. And there are times when that obedience comes really easy. So if I tell my kids, hey, I need you to go, I need you to go pack your bag because we're going on vacation, that's one of the easiest commands I ever give. And it happens quickly. Or, or if I say, hey, if I want to say to someone, you know, you need to honor your father and mother, and they say, that's really easy because I've grown up with parents who loved me and cared for me and supported me, and I want to do that. There are times when that is really difficult. You may be told one day that I, I know your friend's curfew is this late, but I need you home at dark or whatever it may be. Uh, you may think about how you honor a parent who has been distant, maybe even absent at times. And I think God knows that obeying doesn't come easily to sinners like us. So even in this text, we have a few reasons given to obey and honor parents. So look at the text again and see these two reasons. So kids, if you're looking back down at verse one, underline these words in the Lord for this is right. Okay, this is the first reason for obedience. Obeying your parents in the Lord is right. And what this verse tells us is that when you obey your parents, you're not just obeying them, but you're actually obeying the Lord. You're obeying his commands. It's one way that you obey God. And on the other hand, if you disobey your parents, if your parents are asking you to do something and you disobey, it's not just ultimately your parents, but God's will for your life that you're disobeying. Now, I, I, hope, that I hope that your love for your parents, I hope that's enough to kind of push you towards obedience. Okay, I hope that that's enough. But, but if there's a command, if there's a time, kids, when you say, I don't want to obey my parents, I'm frustrated with him or her, with them, what they've asked me to do, I think one of the things that this text, what, chap, what verse 1 is telling you to do, 
is that you have an even higher love. That you can reach and say, it's difficult for me to obey my parents and this thing that they're asking me to do. But I want to obey the Lord. I want to walk faithfully with how God has told me to walk. And so I will obey and honor my parents in this way. Because God has called me to. And there are some ways, just like we we talked about earlier, that listening to and obeying your parents, in some ways it's practice for something you're going to be doing all of your life and listening and obeying to the Lord. I imagine for many of you here, kids, that you can think through the ways your parents have cared for you in thousands of different ways over the years. And so I hope that you're able to trust in them, that the things they are asking you to do, they may sound hard, but there's something that you can do. You can trust that it's for your good. And so when they give you a command, you, you should be able to trust and obey them, even if it's difficult. And that's important because one day, one day you will be reading through God's word as an adult and you'll probably find something just like when you're a kid, you say, I don't really want to obey that command from my, my mom or dad. I don't want to. I think you'll actually find sometimes when you read the Bible, you find some commands that you may not want to obey. So God actually tells us, you can even talk to your parents about some of the difficult things to obey at times. But God tells us our money is not our own. And so we like voluntarily don't hoard it all and don't spend it all on ourselves. We willingly give some of it up so that we can see the gospel spread to the ends of the world. So that we can support the church and care for the poor. If you're closer to like dating ages, God makes demands on who and how we marry and date people. And if you have, you, you may read some of those things and hear some of those things and think, I don't, I don't really want to obey that. I, I think though, if you've developed a habit, if you've seen that your loving, trusting, caring parents have told you good things and that obeying and trusting them, even when it's difficult, led to good, you can trust your father who never makes wrong commands, who never fails in this. And that is one difference between parents and God, right? Parents are not God. Parents will sin and do wrong things where God will never tell you to do or has done anything wrong. And ultimately, if you've ever confronted and you say, my parents are asking me to do something wrong, we trust God. We obey his word rather than man. But your posture towards your parents is one of obedience, should be one of doing what is obedient and right. Okay, so there's the first, the first reason. Do it because it's right. But then there's the second reason that God gives in verse 3. Look in verse 3, and you can underline all of verse 3, kids. Verse 3, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so God actually designs honoring your parents to lead to blessing. And here, Paul is just quoting that verse that I read earlier out of Exodus 20. This is the fifth commandment. And he, he says that promise that God made then... To the people of Israel, that promise still applies today. That God actually built the world in a way so that honoring your parents generally leads to better life. And if you want to think of some of the ways that this happens, and parents, if you're thinking about how does, how does that work, just think of some of the ways in which this looks in our parenting or in, in the ways that you obey kids. Think of the ways that parents help you kids to keep you from harm. So when I told my kids when they were younger that they couldn't go play in the front yard by themselves, that wasn't because I'm a fun, crushing monster. It's because I don't want them to run into the busy street in front of the house. Or if you're, if you're older, if you're 
getting a car or thinking about driving and your parents tell you, you know, you, you can't uh, text and drive. You can't, uh, you can't have friends in the car with you. You think, all, all my friends are doing that stuff. That's just a command that's for your safety. So obeying your parents, even in some of those mundane things. Better life, longer life, Lord willing, because of following their commands for your own good. There are ways in which honoring your parents can can spare you from bad habits and bad company. So kids, if you want to go, if you're looking for a Bible passage to read this afternoon, go look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Okay, so in Proverbs, there's all sorts of instructions from a wise father to uh, and mother to children, to a son who is trying to learn how to walk faithfully with the Lord. And in Proverbs 1.10, the father says this, My son, if sinners entice you, if they tell you to come with him, don't consent, don't go. And if you read the rest of Proverbs chapter 1, he tells this story of a group of people who are planning to do evil. And of a man who walks along with them and how that story ends in sorrow and tragedy. So sometimes the commands of your parents are to avoid bad company, bad habits. Honoring your parents, on the contrary, on the the other side of that, is a way for you to develop character, to understand how the world works. This is one that I, I feel is constantly met with pushback, that I constantly push back against. Like, do your homework, study for that test, write that paper. My parents were telling me that because they knew that hard work matters and that I'm going to be working for the rest of my life and that working well with other people matters and that doing what was required of me matters. It's not just for kicks and giggles. It's much more fun to just do fun stuff all the time. But I was called to do this and my parents helped train me and correct me for this. Now, for if you're in this room, if you're in this room, kids, the, the thing that your parents value most, the reason why... Honoring your parents leads to blessing here is that the thing that we want most for you is that you would know and trust Christ. Now, we are not able to. We would, sometimes we would love the power to make you do that, to be able to change your heart so that you would trust Him. We can't do that. We're praying for you. We're training and teaching, which we'll get to in just a minute. But honoring your parents in this way at the very least means listening when they're talking about the things of the Lord. It means trusting them and seeing how, as you are listening to the Bible at home or listening to it here taught in youth group or in classes, that you're considering what they teach and how that applies to you. And the ultimate blessing, the thing that we want more than just long life in the land is eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. So kids, as you're thinking, like, honoring my parents leads to blessing, I hope the the thing that you hear most is that we want you to know and trust Jesus with everything in you. We've given our lives to that. We want to follow him more than we want to do anything in this world. And if that's something that you say, I, I know that, great. I'm so glad. We want you to do that. We want you to continue to know what that looks like. To honor your father and mother by walking with him, by thinking through what that looks like and how to faithfully follow the Lord. It's God's design that honoring your parents is meant to bless you. And even if you're worried, if you say, like, I know people who honor their parents and actually their life gets harder, and that's true. Uh, You can think about friends of ours, brothers and sisters in Christ, who honor their parents in different countries where it means that they are cast out of their family. But, But the blessing that they receive may not be here in this life. 
This is how a guy named Matthew Henry wrote this a couple hundred years ago. Ordinarily, obedience is thus rewarded. It usually returns in better life and longer life. But he says, where it is not, it is made up with something better. Jesus tells us, kids, that we're not just laying up treasure for here on earth. We're laying up treasure in heaven. Know that God looks on the obedience of his children. He can make up for any reward that is lacking here. Okay, kids, so let me, let me finish. Last few minutes, kids, I promise. This one, last few minutes for you. And just some specific ways to think about applying this text. And the first one is something that you can do uh, right now. So if you have your note sheet, there's a little blank space up there on the back side, I think. But there's a, a space where there's this question. How can I honor my father and my mother this week? This week, how can you do it? And this is something that I would encourage adults, youth, kids, all of you. Like this is something that if your parents are living and you are able to do this, you can write an answer to that. If you're too young to write, I hope there's enough space to draw. So you can draw an answer to that question. And then let me give you just a little bit of follow-up homework. If you're going to lunch with family, then you can. I'd love for you to discuss this at lunch. Don't surprise your parents with how you're going to honor and obey them. That's great. Wonderful to do that sometimes. But even parents, model for your, for your kids. What does it look like for you to love and honor your parents? So think about how this looks. This, so what God calls us to here is not just like good theoretical stuff. It involves practice. It involves action. So I want you to think, how can I do that this week? And this too, this applies to kids and parents. If you are, uh, especially kids maybe, if you're, if you're thinking about this and saying, I struggle, it is hard for me to obey. It is difficult for me to honor. Adults, if you think that it's difficult for you to live in a way to honor your parents, pray to God for his help. Pray to God for his help. Kids, I told you kind of at the beginning of this section that the Bible, being a Christian, that's not something that's only meant for adults. Prayer is the same thing. God does not just want to talk to the big people in the room. He wants you to come to him. He wants to help. So if you say, this is difficult for me, you can turn to the Lord in prayer and say, God, would you help me? I know that I am struggling to obey my parents in this area. I I am having hard trouble honoring my father and my mother when they talk about this thing or because of this way that they've treated me, even adults. How do I do this now? Turn to the Lord and ask him for help. Okay, so after three verses of addressing kids, Paul turns in verse 4 to show God's wisdom for fathers and mothers. Okay, look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, before we get to the commands here, notice that this verse, I'm sure you did notice, this is directed at fathers. Now, moms, that does not mean that uh, you get to tune out here. I hope you see that these commands are applicable to you. So the command is not like, dads, don't provoke your children to anger. Moms, go frustrate your kids to your heart's delight. Okay, so these commands, equally applicable, right? But I do hope, dads especially, that you see that by virtue of these being directed to you, you have a responsibility, an immense responsibility, to be involved in your home, and at much more than just being involved, to give loving leadership in raising your children. 
Uh, one of my one of my favorite shows in in high school. Uh, David and I talked on the road back from New Orleans about lots of things, but we talked about a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. It's a sitcom with this family uh, in Long Island, a dad who is uh, who loves his family. I think loves them well, but is pretty incompetent in some ways. Uh, a little bit of bumbling, and at least to some funny instances. But but while that may be a funny TV show, when when a dad shirks his responsibility in his house, or or even if he just barely tries to give loving leadership for his wife in real life, that's not a comedy. It's it's a tragedy. And so dads, realize you have an immense responsibility. And here God gives two clear commands to fathers and, by extension, to mothers. The first here is to not provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now this feels like such a delicate line to walk. I've just felt this even this week as I've been looking at this. And I, I, I'm sure, I hope at least, I hope that every week I'm thinking about this, but this week, especially as I'm talking to my kids, I'm like, I'm going to be clear, I'm going to be wise, I'm gonna be loving, I'm going to be careful. And then you, you do all of that, and occasionally you do that, and the response is anger. So kids, one more time, just so you know, we're trying real hard sometimes. And, and when, when you feel anger, it's not necessarily always that you've been provoked to anger. Sometimes we are responsible for our sinful anger. I'm responsible for mine, and kids, you're responsible for yours too. So we need to be, be wise and know that we're, we are responsible for our own anger. But dad, we, dads and moms, even if you see that this is maybe a, a delicate line, you, you probably don't have to think very long on ways in which you're tempted to provoke your children to anger. Uh, think about maybe making unreasonable demands of your kids. I think that I, t- I set time limits on some of my commands that are just unachievable. I don't know why. I, just, I think I'm hoping that it gets done faster. I'm like, if we don't clean this house up in five minutes, we're not going to the pool. That's provoking. That's, that, that's uh, received with frustration as it should be. And I have to constantly say I'm sorry for that. We, we can provoke our children to anger sometimes because we are speaking in anger ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he talks in his, uh, in his commentaries about this, about talking to your kids. We have to be under control ourselves. So this is a, a I have this really vivid memory of an argument in my house that uh, ended with an unnamed child, to protect the relatively innocent, who stomped to the room and slammed the door. And so as a responsible, loving dad... I stomped to the room and opened the door and said, don't slam the door and slam the door. And it was, I say it's vivid because it was like one of those instances that God just immediately convicts you. My my kid just didn't learn that out of thin air. They they saw that. I, I had provoked them to anger and I had to apologize and repent there. Dads, be careful that our own anger is not, we say, you're provoked to anger, but it's not, our anger can be the one that is, that is doing that. You can think of a parent who berates his children or finds excessive fault with them. Uh, if you're involved, I feel like this is like the horror stories of Little League that I hear all the times or youth sports that come about. I have a friend who is a head coach who, his assistant coach was a, a good, he could do uh, drills, he could run practice well, 
But every time there was a game, this assistant coach would just talk about how terrible his kid was doing. Talk about that to his kid. Until my friend had to say, we, we're, you're not allowed to talk to your, your son that way. There, there's almost nothing more depressing than watching a grown man berate his own son from a dugout. Or think about a, a man or a woman who constantly nags at her daughter for her flaws instead of looking for her gifts. And we can we can provoke our children in the ways that we compare them to others. If you were only as diligent as your brother... If you just had the talent of that kid down the street, just beware, parents, that you're not provoking your children to anger and compare, building a life that they will constantly be comparing themselves to those around them instead of looking to the Lord and finding identity and truth and joy in Him. And I'm sure that you could probably sit down and come up with your own way. Maybe some of those are yours. Maybe you can take some time even... Today, to think, what are the ways in which I need to be, because of my personality, and because of my kids, I need to be careful that I'm not provoking them to anger. We need to be careful about that. So if we don't do that, that's the prohibition, don't do that. But it's not just don't do that. Paul turns and gives a positive command as well. So it says to bring your children, bring them up in the Lord. And that looks like three things in this passage. So first, we nourish our children. This is, uh, if you look in verse 4 and you see that little phrase, bring them up, bring up. If you actually just glance back up the page to Ephesians 5, 29, it says there, no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. That, that word nourish, it's actually the same word that's underneath nourish and bring them up. So bring them up, if you think like what that means is I've got to get them out of the house. Like I just, there's a finish line to cross and if I cross that, I've done good. Done well enough. Now, just as Ephesians 5.29 talks about nourishing, Christ nourishing his own body, the church, how we husbands should nourish our wives, mothers and fathers, you should nourish your children. The call is not just to like get them out of the house, but to know them and to love them and care for them, to provide what they need so that they flourish. So just as we nourish our bodies, we nourish our wives, we nourish our children. And then the second and third, they Go together. You're called to train and to correct your children. They need discipline and instruction. They need to be shown the right thing to do and the right way to walk. And then if they're walking in a way that is contrary to that. If they step out and are not doing what is right, it is good and loving to correct them. To call them back to the right way. And while we can apply this, we can think about how do you apply that and all manner of issues. You can think about training a child who's learning a new musical instrument and training and correcting them or at home. But, but here, obviously, the specific training that Paul has in mind is training in the things of the Lord. Train them and instruct them in the way of righteousness, in the way of Christ. We'll talk more about this in a minute, but, but parents, don't get distracted from what is the most important thing. Don't get distracted. And parents, Becca prayed this earlier for us beautifully. We here at, a, at this church, we count it a joy and a privilege to help disciple your kids. We have wonderful teachers. We have excellent volunteers. We love your kids. And we want to help you. But don't lose sight that when it comes to raising your children in the nurture and admonition and the training and instruction of the Lord, you are the ones who God has given to them. You have that greater responsibility. 
you are the head coach and we are at best like cheerleaders. We're, we're there with you. We want to equip you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you along the way. But when it comes to training and correcting, that's your job. And you can do it. Now, I imagine that uh, you can think through, this is just one verse, and you can probably tease out, like, we've already talked about multiple ways of applying this, and you could probably tease out more. But I just want to think, are there two other kind of final applications in thinking through this verse and hopefully applying it to our congregation, to our church. And the first one, again, is just to, to uh, this one is specifically maybe for, for dads to think through this. So, so fathers, it, it may not be too far or too strong to think to say that some of your children's like earliest, most powerful impressions of what God is like are going to be based on what they think of you. We pray to God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And your kids, we want our kids to pray that as well. And when they think Father, they, they think you. Now, I don't think they're going to confuse you that you're God, but they're going to start saying, I'm learning some things about what God is like based on what my dad is like. That's a high responsibility. Just like last week we said, husbands, you have, you have a high responsibility of showing a picture of Christ and the way that you care for your wives. Dads, you have a high responsibility in picturing the loving care of a father for his children, for his family. And as your kids learn more, as they mature, your example to them, it can be a huge help. It can be an amazing help in knowing what it looks like to love and trust God the Father. And for some, it can be something that they have to learn. My dad was like this, but God is not like that. As much as possible, we want our parenting, our loving, kind instruction and discipline to image what God is like when he deals with us. And the second, kind of second application that I have here, here, uh, have here is that I think that um, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about Philadelphia Baptist Church, if I'm thinking about my friends who love the Lord, my dads and moms who want to walk faithfully with him, I think the thing that is most tempting to not do these commands is probably not like overt catastrophic sin. Okay, that's, that's true. That's tempting. We need to be aware of that. I don't say, I don't want you to be like blind to that reality. But I think the thing that may tempt us to not obey this text very well is honestly just constant distraction. There's always news to keep up with. There are, uh, there's social media to check. There's work emails to answer. There, you can sign your kids up for extracurricular activities from dawn to dusk seven days a week. And none of those things in themselves are evil. None of that is wicked. I'm not saying like you've got to pull out and we've got to build a monastery right here. Just keep us all in here all the time. But I am saying that you should, uh, you should be careful. You should be careful to make the most of the time, especially those of you who have kids living in your home. Make the most and prioritize what is the most important. Don't get distracted from the grand truths of discipline and instruction in the Lord. And don't forget that in your training, what it looks like, even if you think like, I'm doing really good training. We have, we have a, uh, a family worship like once a week or every night or whatever that looks like. We go to church pretty often. It's not just what you're teaching. Your parent, your, your kids, 
they get what they're taught, but they also really get, they catch things as well. They see what you're doing. And you're training in that way. So even in your priorities, you are doing training. So before I ever, before I was ever taught, hey, time in God's word is important for you as a Christian. If you want to walk faithfully with the Lord, the Bible is really important. I learned that when I was like four and five and I walked out into my living room and I saw my dad bent over his Bible studying or in prayer. Before I ever, uh, before I said like, church is important, this is the helpful thing to encourage me and to help me persevere with the Lord. I learned that because my parents just brought me to church often two to three times a week and just said, this is important. And so when I was told like, being around God's people matters for your life as a Christian, that made total sense to me because I'd caught that from my mom and dad. We have a, an immense, uh, there's, there's distraction all over the place that can take us in a myriad of places. We need to teach both with our life and our words what it looks like to walk faithfully with the Lord. Now, as we said last week, these, uh, you can hear these commands and they're, they're weighty. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to lay off and be like, this is not that big a deal. Don't don't worry about this. God means for these to lay upon you and to see the responsibility that you have. But but it's not that God just tells us work real hard, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You got this on your own. God gives what He asks. If God calls us to do this, to obey this text, to follow in this way, He actually equips us to do that. And so I want to close with two encouragements from this text. Two things to think about when you feel like this is heavy and I'm not sure I can obey. And the first is to remember that if you are in Christ, you have God's Holy Spirit living in you. Again, you can come to this passage as like, I want some parenting advice or some advice on how to live as a kid. And you can kind of pull these out and there's nothing wrong with that. But don't forget everything that's kind of come before this. Don't forget, especially if you just look back up in Ephesians 5, 18, you are walking in wisdom filled with the Spirit. God is not asking you to do something that He is not t- equipping you to do. He walks with you, and by His Spirit, He is able to help you obey this. So even if it's hard, and it is, say, thank you for being with me. And I know right now in my flesh, I feel like I can do nothing except disobey but I know that because you are with me, I can obey. I can care for my parent, my, my children. And lastly, when you fail, and you will, be thankful for God's good grace. Don't forget everything we've read up to this point in the book of Ephesians. Kids, your, your parents, I know that they, they want to be a good portrait of the loving care of God for you, but... They will not do that perfectly. And parents, you know that your kids won't obey perfectly as well. And when we mess up, all of us, we have the opportunity over and over to rehearse the good truths of the gospel that we've seen, that we've even sung about, that we've prayed about today. So kids, when you, when you fail, adults, when you provoke your kids to anger, it's not, just to go, it's not a time just to go beat yourself up, go in the corner and try harder next time. You actually get an opportunity to turn to the Lord and repentance. And then you get the great grace of turning to your mom or dad or parents, of turning to your kids and saying, Dad needs Jesus just as much today as you do. 
And over and over, we get to point our kids not to like, your perfect obedience is what matters. But we say, buddy, I know, I know that you did wrong. And that's why I'm so thankful that we worship Jesus Christ, a son who never disobeyed, but who actually went to the cross for us so that in our failure, we can trust and know him. Parenting is a place to constantly remind each other, to remember the gospel, to see it afresh day after day after day. So constantly rehearse this in your own homes. And I want to close us just by praying that for those of us here who are parents, those of us here who are kids, for all of us here, that we would know how to walk faithfully with the Lord and ask for His grace to help us obey even today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we know that these commands can sometimes be difficult. But we thank You for Your Word that helps us. And we thank You for Your Spirit that was with us. And we pray that as we know and follow You, that You would by Your Spirit, that You would help us to live as moms and dads, as kids, in right relationship to one another, and ultimately in right relationship to You. We do thank You for Your grace, even in the ways in which we're reminded that we failed this past week. We thank You so much for the grace of Christ. And we pray all this now in His name. Amen.